0: Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Autastic, your comedian's guide autism. I'm your host, Kirk Smith, and uh, I am traveling today, no Graham K. I'm in a busy airport, if you hear kids yelling, that's what's happening. Uh, today we have a special episode brought to us by uh, Jill Escher, a longtime roving reporter, as many of you will know. She's also the president of the national center for severe autism and um she interviewed uh peg Kernswell Has a new book uh girl storm is taking the internet by storm it's about uh, her, her experiences raising a severely uh, autistic uh a daughter a daughter with severe autism profound autism however you want to say it and uh, i feel like sometimes these get overlooked and so it's an important um Thing to look at. Well, there's a baby crying It's been so quiet, and now wherever I sit, there's a baby screaming at me. It's like being at home. It's getting me ready to go see JJ. It's terrific. Um, <laughs> uh, back back focused here. This is a great interview. Um, next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming in studio with a good old grandma But uh, for this week, I wanted to get you guys something. It's a great interview by Jill. Uh, you can hear it on her, uh, again. This is a replay from uh, a test from her podcast, the autistic, the Autism Confidential. Excuse me, with uh, the author uh, Peg Kurzwell, and I hope you guys love it.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back. Who is my guest today, everybody? If you're on video, you can see this book. It is a brand new book called "Girl Storm" uh, by Peg Kurzweil, and we are here with Peg herself. Say hello. Hello.
2: Thank you Thank
1: for you having so me. Oh, we're so, 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 so excited. So uh, Girlstorm is a new memoir. It kind of looks like a novel, you know, like, mm-hmm. but uh, it's an, it's a memoir. It's a memoir of chaos, humor, and resilience in the path of profound autism. This might be the first book that uses the term profound, profound. autism. Yeah. 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 So you get a special gold star <laughs> for that. Um, and I just published on ncsautism.org, our website, a review of the book. So I invite all of you listeners to go read that review, which might go into some details that you won't get on the podcast today. But needless to say, it was a very positive review. I felt that the book told an important story and told it very, very well and helps raise awareness of the most severe end of the autism spectrum. Welcome, Peg. Thank you, thank you so much. So Peg, why did you write this book? You're, you, as we were talking before, you're yeah. not a professional writer. No, not well, at all. What got into your crazy head to do something <laughs> like this? Um, I think
2: after my daughter was placed, I was trying to make sense of everything that had happened, you know, from infancy to the point when we put in residential placement, And it was so chaotic um it's it's almost as if i hadn't processed all of it so at first it was a way to just put it down on paper and sort of figure it out like what exactly took place what were the events like it was just from one crisis to another so it started as that um and then i was thinking more about the community and how isolated i feel um and that got me thinking that i'd like to release the book and really put it out for parents like ourselves, um, who really, I don't know, this is a very challenging experience. Um, I wrote this book because I couldn't find it. I remember going to look for something that was really telling the truth about the experience. Like everything was either like a manual for autism, you know, how to treat it or, you know, the more milder side, the more positive side, and there are plenty of positive things about autism. Um, But I wasn't seeing, you know, the darker things that I was experiencing. And um, in a book that was really going into detail about the multitude of emotions that come with it, it's not um, always an easy experience. You know, for me, it's been a lot of grief, it's been a lot of pain, it's been a lot of anger. Um, a lot of confusion, so I feel like I I wrote it because there was nothing like there like this out there. Um. Yeah. So yes, no no background in writing whatsoever. Um. I did read a lot of books about writing, hmm. and I've read a lot of memoir, and I sort of studied a lot of authors that I really enjoyed and really studied their writing um but that was about it and i in terms of writing it i would write a little bit of it and then i would put it away because it was kind of it was kind of draining to write and revisit a lot of the stuff so i'd write some and then i put it away and then i bring it out and go why am i doing this (laughs) and then put it away um but you know it was important to me to finish it and have something completed so I was able to pull it all together you know, sometime this the summer and then put it out
1: in September. And we're, when you started this project and you were trying to sort through all this trauma, as you said, you went from one crisis to another. I'm sure you didn't have five seconds to think about your situation while you were immersed in it.
2: Yes, um, absolutely.
1: And then you had time. Your daughter did go into a mm-hmm. residential treatment program, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you finally had this stillness this quiet in your life, which you hadn't had at all for what, 13 years, 14 years? Yeah, 14 years, yeah. And um, did you, so so was your intention always to write it for a broader audience because you didn't see those narratives out there?
2: Um, I wasn't really thinking. I was focusing mostly just on the severe autism community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking, I was hoping, that if anyone outside of the community picked it up, that this would give them some insight as to what our lives can really look like. Because I don't think really people know because they're yeah. not seeing our kids out in the community. Um, I know that when I used to try to take my daughter Ellie out of the community, it was really, really, really difficult. Um, she's a disrober, so she would often take all of her clothes off. She mm-hmm. would drop to the ground, smash her head on the concrete of you know in the parking lot. She would run. Um, so I wasn't able to take her out very often, so I think a lot of people don't really know what the day-to-day experience can really look like and how intense it is. Mm -hmm. Um, The feedback that I'm getting, some of the feedback I'm getting about the book is that the first chapter is just like, oh my goodness, it's so intense, it's so intense, and the funny thing is that really was just a regular typical day, you know, you know, it's like that typical day, there was nothing extra going on that day, there was no medical crises, there was no seizures, there was no um anything above and beyond. That was just a regular old day get trying to get her ready for school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has really opened my eyes. Like people really don't know what's happening behind our closed doors, you
1: know. Um yeah, there have been some other memoirs out there. For example, Amy let okay. uh, it's not she didn't really write it, it was more a series of essays on profound okay. autism um as seen through the eyes of her her son Jonah. Um, oh. she wrote we, a book called we walk, but not exactly a memoir. And then another one, um, is called autism uncensored. I think that came out, okay. I want to say five years ago or something by okay. a mom in, in Maryland, um, which, uh, you know, again, just told the brutal truths about, um, the experiences with her son, Zach. And it got a lot of blowback from neurodiversity activists who said, well, you're not allowed to tell these stories. <laughs> Did you have that in mind? Were you worried about people saying, well, you're not allowed to talk about your your daughter without your daughter's permission? You're not allowed to reveal, oh. you know, these difficult moments in her life. Were, were you concerned about that or um, not?
2: I wasn't thinking about that at all because mm-hmm. and I think if I were, the book wouldn't have been authentic.
1: I agree. With um, that.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's just you know i love my daughter beyond measure um i would do anything for her and at the yeah. same time this is a really tough experience it's not for the faint of heart um so i think if i were thinking about a lot of that stuff it wouldn't have been a, a real book
1: a, a true right. book you would have been self-censoring the whole yeah. time yeah
2: and i don't i wouldn't it would have it wouldn't have come through as authentic um and people need to know what's happening um yeah. if we all just are looking the other way and sweeping this community under the rug how are we going to get any services like you Mm -hmm. know um we need a lot more residential facilities especially for the under 21 community um the waiting list for the facility that Ellie's in is infinite you know it's super super long people uh we know we're incredibly lucky to even have gotten her in there Mm -hmm. um I just feel like if no one's telling the truth and really being honest about it, you know, we're not gonna get the things that we need. Um, yeah.
1: Certainly that's NCSA's belief, right? Mm-hmm. That we 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 don't betray our children no. by telling their truth, no. right? We are supporter supporting and honoring our children by telling their truth, yes. right? Because the world needs to know what yes. they're dealing with and what they and, need. And
2: yeah. they can't express it. My daughter can't express her truth mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. In any way, she can't use an iPad. She has no speech, Um, and I tried to be very conscious of that and be respectful. As I was, you know, writing the book, I tried to be respectful of her um, and of the community. Um, I hope it came across that way. Um, But yeah, I just, I just want people to know that they're not alone, because you know, I've been all over your website, which is amazing, and I think you're. A total badass. Um, the numbers are growing. This isn't going away. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted. I want the parents coming up like when I was terrified. Um, especially in the very beginning, knowing that somebody else is much further along, and you can get through it. Is it easy? No, but um, you know you can get through it. And people in that somebody else out there gets it. Really gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's okay to have all of these conflicting emotions about it, um, and still love your child, and still, you know, want the best for them.
1: Um, I mean, absolutely. When you talked about, you know, there's a moment in the book where you talk about the fear of losing her, right? And um, I I won't go into detail for, but you know, Ellie had various ailments. <laughs> and oh, many, many many emergency room visits. Yes. <laughs> and many medical mysteries. Yes. Oh my gosh, the one about the eye—that was amazing. What a story! Oh, <laughs> um, I know. But I've I completely it. related to like the terror. Where on on one hand, yes, you are kind of being bludgeoned to death by yes. the needs of your children. At the same time, you can't imagine life without oh, no. them. I mean, that it's, would a, uh, that would crush me. Yeah. And I, I just can't me. imagine well, I have mm-hmm. two kids with, with profound autism, but not as profound as Ellie's because Ellie okay. is in the ultra, 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 ultra That's right. category. <laughs> like they, we need a, a special category just for people yeah. like her. Right? She's,
2: she's the best. Um, by the way, I watched your Ted talk, which was incredible. Oh, thank um, you. really enjoyed it. And I saw Sophie. Oh yeah. Oh my God. My <laughs> heart just went. I was like, it's Ellie. It's Ellie, just like the hair and our just, little blonde you know, girls. I was like, she's she's beautiful. She's beautiful, and um, I was just so happy to see her. Yeah, they're um, about the same age. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Sophie's
1: seventeen now. I don't okay. Know.
2: Ellie's nineteen.
1: Nineteen. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: So.
1: Yeah, close yeah. to the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie, but I'm fortunate that I have a an aut- profoundly autistic daughter who doesn't have the behaviors.
2: Gotcha. So you know, yeah. people look at
1: me like how did that happen and i'm like i don't know cuz my son certainly has you know okay quite a history of property destruction and self injury so not yes. nearly as bad as, as ellie's yes. so um let's uh let's tell the reader a little bit about the story here so we enter you know the book um Obviously, well, we enter the book with you walking down the stairs, <laughs> very gingerly, because heaven forbid right. know, something disturbs sleep, which causes a meltdown, yes. which causes chaos. Right? Yes. Um, I know we we've, we've all been that walking on ed- mm-hmm. eggshells, completely parents. But That's then you right. know, we we introduce we get introduced to her as an infant, mm-hmm. and you notice you're I remember you saying that you felt something was wrong from the very beginning. Yeah, I did. Well, what was that? I know you talked about the years, um, but what what else? Yes, does... that was just
2: my me being silly, which I am often. Um <laughs> um I sensed right from the second I saw her, to be honest, she didn't seem to be there seemed to be something not connecting. Um so even when the nurses wheeled her in, you know, I had a C-section and um they wheeled her in the next morning. Um and I remember looking at her and looking into her eyes and not seeing not feeling in my gut, like there was some, there was that connection. Yeah. And so immediately I'm thinking, all right, this is postpartum depression, which I did mm. have very intensely, but um, maybe that was part of the reason that I had it. Um, and, it, you know, looking back, all of the signs were there from birth. Um, you know, she was extremely delayed as I go into detail in the book, you know, didn't walk until she was about two and a half. And that's only with like, extensive physical therapy. Um, mm-hmm. She wasn't tracking, you know, she just didn't seem interested in anything. Like, you know, she did a lot of staring. Um, She was incredibly calm, which now in retrospect seems really silly, (laughs) you know, because it really changed. Um, But um, yeah, she just seemed like a part of her was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, And um, I think I picked up on that immediately. And in my gut, you know, there was this feeling of panic and I was like, my husband was always trying to calm me down, calm me down, calm me down. And eventually, you know, um kept missing the milestones and then finally brought her to a neurologist and then the whirlwind began, you know, doctor right. after doctor after doctor, all the testing, which yielded nothing. Um Right.
1: And I was, you know, given her extreme severity you know the yeah. existence of really extreme intellectual disability mm-hmm. you know the seizures yes maybe even something like her ears I don't know I you didn't talk about any other kind of uh, dysmorphologies she might have yes. but I-, I suspected that she may have something genetic but you said no they they didn't find um, anything they didn't
2: and I was yeah. thinking the same we were thinking the same like there's got to be a reason for this yeah. um maybe if but we I know test her uh, now... here
1: in the Bay Area I know yeah. several. Um, they're now young adults with similarly ultra, ultra severe autism and they don't, there's no diagnosis, you know, genetic diagnosis for them either. So it's not the first time
2: I've seen this,
1: but yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe they'll find something eventually, but, um, yeah, it is, it is, it always astonishes me that you can have these kids, kid after kid, after kid, after kid with some of the most severe disabilities ever seen on this planet. Yes, and we're still like we don't know we don't know yeah <laughs> yes. to me, i mean that's completely it's, unacceptable it's amazing it's yeah.
2: amazing um yeah we we had her tested um every which way yeah <laughs> her, her dna was studied um everything um and just nothing came back yeah. um even with the seizures with the you know there's really nothing else about her physically um that would indicate, you know, like a syndrome or something. Um, so yeah, she's just a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> she's a great big mystery.
1: Um, so then she's, she's growing up obviously, um, she's in therapy a lot. Yeah. Uh, you, you talked about, and this is something most of us can relate to how you had no privacy in your house because you had ABA therapists coming in and out yes. you know, doing her therapy, taking data. And then, you know, she goes to school, but you know, let's be honest. She doesn't really make progress. Yeah. I mean, maybe I mean you, you like you're like just toilet training. Yes, just if I can get her out of diapers, mm-hmm. right? Because that was mm-hmm. such a hardship on top of everything else. Yes, I couldn't even do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, and and I know that you looked for more help. Mm-hmm. To tell our listeners a little bit about this experience of have you know dealing with this level of severity and just not finding the help you need and then finding that the existing help wasn't really delivering.
2: Yeah. Well, if you can imagine being absolutely desperate for respite, <laughs> desperately seeking respite, as we say. Um, I would go on to care.com, which mm-hmm. is it's a joke, you know, and be like, hmm, <laughs> how do I write this so someone will come help? Um, not be completely, you know, terrified when they walk through the door. Um but they'll also be somewhat qualified to work with Ellie to help her, to give us some respite. Um, it was quite a predicament. And we did eventually find someone who became almost family to us. Um, I, I named her in the book Adriana. Yep. She and her family and she would bring her kids and she was a godsend to us, truly. Um, but beyond Adriana, the help was slim. Um, and we needed it desperately, um, and that's one thing you know that I think is important about telling our stories is that we need qualified respite workers who are paid well. And this this is not a job where you can ask just a regular babysitter on the corner to come help. They had less you know, two if, seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. If um, Ellie has a seizure, what are they going to do? If you know they need to change a, a teenage diaper, are they up for that? You know, it's a lot to ask of another human being. So, um, finding help was nearly impossible at times. Um, so it was usually just Jim and myself tag teaming, you know, he would, he would take shifts. Mm -hmm. Um, I would watch it. She has to be watched literally every second. Like she's, um, she has no understanding of danger or anything like that. Um, so yeah, we would take shifts and, you know, I'd be like, okay, I have the next two hours. And then you get the two hours after that. And we would just do that day after day after day.
1: Yeah. Um, And and how that actually just wore down on your meager reserves of energy and hope and, uh, you know, any, any kind of positive feeling you had about life, you know, it was very clear that it was just an an endless perpetual, you know, Mm -hmm. grind without any light at the end of the tunnel.
2: Yes. Um,
1: Now, speaking of no light at the end of the tunnel, we have to talk about the fact your book is very funny and that's what (laughs) makes it stand stand out. And I I tried to convey this in the the review that I wrote Um, and I just barely touched on, you know, the very inventive parts of the book Um, but one thing you do is you you have your own vocabulary. Yes. (laughs) You know, your, your situation is so extraordinary. It does require its own language. Yes, exactly. Well said.
2: uh, Yeah. That's how it felt. Um, it really felt that way because I really felt as if we were living in our own little cocooned universe that Mm -hmm. you would only understand if you experienced it, um, So I just, for fun, came up with these silly, you know, definitions. Um, But I think a lot of special needs parents will be able to relate to them, um, whether you have a severely autistic child or not. Um, Just like in speaking with a lot of my friends, you know, um, I have a close circle of friends, um, special mom friends. And you had a name,
1: I'm sorry, what what was the name for your... Oh, the spun. spun. The spun, S P. Spun, Spun, special
2: parent underground network.
1: Network, <laughs> um, And we call
2: ourselves the Spunsters. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, my daughter has autism. A, a bunch of them, their kids have cerebral palsy, um, but more on the severe end. So they really very much related to my silly dictionary and to the book as well. Um, yeah, the, the the vocabulary is just my silly way of coping. Um, because, you know, at certain points during the the time when she was home, it just, some of the things that were happening were just so ridiculous that, and they're never funny in the moment, but they're always funny, you know, a month mm-hmm. or two mm-hmm. later.
1: Right. So,
2: um, and that's really how my husband and I have coped, you know, a lot of laughter um, and just being silly, not trying to understand why everything's happening, just going
1: with the flow as best as we can. So I'm going to, so throughout the book, um, I guess kind of before every chapter, I think there's a little list or a little poem or a little chart. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you know, I, I, I just love this part like here. I don't know if people can see this. Yes. Uh, Uh, the
2: ERV chart. Yes. yes.
1: The, 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 (laughs) do you want, so maybe explain this one. Maybe we'll go. for That one. Sure. Estimated
2: respite value chart. (laughs) Um uh, <laughs> so silly. But it's true. It's actually true. Like those are some real measurements from our experience. Um yeah. And
1: uh can, can I give some examples? Of course. Okay. The estimated respite value chart. Um, stimmable magazine with thick glossy pages, ERV, 30 minutes. <laughs>
2: it has, it, it has to be thick glossy
1: pages thick lot. i yeah. mean in in my in my world it would have been like two minutes oh. baby board book 20 minutes tough to rip but apparently some people can do it <laughs> and i love that scene in your book we you go to the bookstore to get you know to get bargain bin that's baby right, books right. not because that's... your kid's gonna read the book but because exactly. your kid likes flipping it into ripping that it was to shreds. ripper
2: bowls <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like very strange. I exact same thing.
1: Oh, good, good. Oh, yeah, for Johnny, not not so much for, for sophie Sophie. Um, let's see, um sand one hour yes. minus cleanup time, washing out of hair, body crevices. <laughs> <laughs> um, plastic connecty thingies flicked yes. around in a bin, forty I minutes, but requires cool. high oral tolerance. Pile yes. of leaves—that's her real love. Yes, one hour. Loves leaves. Yes. And yes. then look at the cover. We see yep. the she's still obsessed with leaves with we leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Estimate respite value. I love that. I'm <laughs> like Because you, when you're like, I just need to make dinner. I yes. just need to take a shower. Yep. I just need to make a call. I just need to pay bills. So you'll you get do it. anything for that yep. respite. Respite Absolutely. value. Yeah. One thing I should say is um, one reason I kind of have a semblance of a life now is my son um, no longer lives with us. So he okay. lives nearby. Uh, he has his own house with staff. I visit every single wonderful. day. Okay. I'm very much part of his life. That's but wonderful. Um, I don't have that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
2: The, oh the code red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just the code the, red. The general, yes, the adrenaline rushing 24 7. Yeah, it's. It, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that.
1: All right, I have to show you this one too. I this is my fun and games. <laughs> <laughs> the acronym search. Yes. And you know you can actually do it. Gonna, done, I, I, I haven't done do it, it yet,
2: but yeah.
1: I've, <laughs> and I've it's done like it. FOIA, IDEA, IEP, <laughs> PDD, PEX, SIB, SLB <laughs> ABA, AAC, ASL, DSM. are all in there. It's, it's just, so just
2: funny. you know, I felt the need to interject some humor, like through, it. because I know it's kind of a heavy read. Yeah. Um. So I just had to lighten it up. And, you know, again, that's how my husband and I have been coping. Just you have to be silly at some point. Otherwise
1: it's just too intense. Yeah. I mean, you look at, at our kids, look at their lives. Yeah. And yeah, if you can't laugh about it, you know, yes. you, you you do go to very dark places. And yes. by the way, in the book, you do go to dark places. I do. Uh, yeah. And I will tell yeah. you this. Every parent of a severely autistic Kid has gone to dark places, you know? And I think that yeah. when they see that in the book, yeah. they will appreciate knowing, you know, okay. that, that they're, so. they're not alone. They're not alone. Yeah. 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 And I think it's just perfectly normal. It's perfectly yes. natural. I mean, if you, anybody who lives with that level of stress and trauma constantly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think that you, you have one of the lists in here. Here it is. Here's the list. Okay. This is a poem called Before. Okay. And it goes to this exact, point and yes. you say before i untangle myself from a dream before i can empty my bladder before i can figure out what day of the week it is before i take a sip of coffee before i remember to take my own meds before i can digest what i ate the night before it goes on and on yep. and then you say it's already starting again yep. in other words it's just the cycle of a mindless sisyphean yep. mm-hmm. cycle yeah yep. no break
2: absolutely
1: okay yeah. so now let's talk a, let's jump a little bit fast forward you are in you know the depths of autism Mm hell, and then you go into you find from the disability cloud the wormhole
0: (laughs) the disability cloud is another
1: great term it's like yeah it's amorphous like disability stuff that's out there that
2: um we're we're not allowed to see it I don't don't even know what my daughter's file says I don't know exactly just very silly
1: yeah. So my kids are also in, in the disability <laughs> club, but then you got into the wormhole yeah. to finally, after all these years of begging and pleading and pleading and begging, mm-hmm. you, you find a residential program in New Jersey, your yes. yeah. state. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about, about that? Um, it was uh, very difficult
2: to squeeze through that wormhole. There were a lot of hoops Um like I write in the book, the first application was denied. Um, I think it was, and I, and I mentioned this in the book because of the doctor's format, they didn't like the format that he had written his evaluation in. Oh, yeah. um, yes. That was, I so, um,
1: couldn't believe, actually I could believe it. No, it was the, true, the uh, it was yeah. true.
2: But um, yeah, it was very difficult to get her place. I mean, all of the list of criteria that that I had to, like the list that I had to go through to all the evaluations, um, the testing that I had to do just to be considered, then I, I submitted the application, it was rejected. And then I was like, Oh my God, what now what? Um, so then I had to find another doctor to write a new evaluation, which took several weeks. Um, lots of begging, lots of begging doctors <laughs> to write evaluations. Um, finally she was accepted, which was, it felt like a miracle. It felt like an absolute miracle. And we felt so incredibly lucky. Um, And we are very, very lucky. Um, And then she was added to a wait list and, you know, we didn't have to be on the wait list super long. A spot opened up relatively quickly for her, which is somewhat rare. Um, So within a few months of her being on the wait list, she was, um, we took her to the facility. Um, And I'll never forget, dropping her off and just coming upon that building and just feeling like feeling so much hope for her for us and for
1: humanity um I know there's still it was the first time there was real hope in the whole book
2: was it okay that's how I felt that's truly how I felt um and you know it's uh I still feel that way. I feel like this place saved our lives, hers as well. Um, And I wish, you know, so many people are on that waiting list now. And, you know, when you talk about the severe end, Ellie's very, very, very severe, but she's tiny. Mm -hmm. Um, At the facility where she goes, you know, I'll see big boys who are that same level of severity. And there are parents right now as we do this podcast with these boys in their home, and you know they're worried about being hurt by their own children because mm-hmm. they're because of the severity of disability. Um, I'm thinking about those folks all the time, um, but the um, the facility really has restored my faith in humanity. Like I remember pulling up and just being like, I can't believe that human beings have created such a place um and Could i know there...
1: share that the name of the facility or are you, are you sure
2: yeah. um sure it's called bancroft um okay. yeah it's called bancroft ellie started in bancroft at another part of bancroft called the linden center which is for the most um intensely behavioral children
1: mm-hmm.
2: so she started there and, and this is a, moved...
1: a private nonprofit that contracts with the state of new jersey is that i don't believe it's private
2: um, Is it a
1: state-run
2: facility? It's a state facility, I believe. Don't okay. On that. Um. Yes, I know it's Medicaid-funded.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. So yeah, it was. Um. You know, there's still there's still s- such a stigma. I think with placing your child, um, and that's another reason that I wanted this book to be out there because. You know. I feel like a lot of us are being judged for not having our children live with us. Um, And I want people to know that sometimes that's just not an option. That's That's really just not an option for her or for us. My daughter needs a staff of people. Um, She requires a staff of people to take care of her.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, But um, she's making nice progress. She's made a lot of progress since, since she's been there. She was on lithium when they first, when they first accepted her. And honestly, I didn't think she was going to improve at all. Um, she was banging her head.
1: So it's a mix of psychiatric treatment. It's the all hands on yes. deck, right? So they have psychiatric Absolutely. treatment, behavioral and treatment, and medical treatment, which is the way it should be for all yes. of these kids. I mean, yes. that should be the comprehensive wraparound approach. Yes. That you need, right? That's why I wrote in my review, it's like, what the F F is she doing in school? Like this is (laughs) that's not the that's not the answer for a a kid like Ellie. You need to have this wraparound program. There's so many kids who need that. And the parents are like, they can't even get a single appointment sometimes with any one of these specialists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This should Um, be a given. Um, but yeah, so, so so they they changed their med, her meds, like, what yeah, I mean they, they changed just up. they
2: eventually, the head banging just kind of slowed down. um, I don't know if that's something that your son engaged in, but boy, is that a hard thing to see your child' banging their head on concrete on mm-hmm. on granite countertop um.
1: 800 really times a day at school right that and was one the, of hitting. the data
2: yeah that was the, the hitting, hitting herself hitting. in the head yeah. and it was like full-on
1: punching um, unbelievable i can't imagine yeah. the, the trauma to her brain
2: yes yeah, yeah. um so once she got to the linden center it just took time, I think. I think the fact that they had the round-the-clock care, they had the medical staff, they have 24-7 medical staff there in case she had a seizure. Like, I felt really good about leaving her there. Like, she was in really good hands. Um, there are cameras everywhere monitoring, which I love. Yeah. Um, so eventually, you know, with all of the treatments and the ABA and the therapies and the medication, she just started to kind of calm down a little bit. Um, and eventually, was there a
1: particular medication, I'm curious, that seemed to help, do you know?
2: Well, the lithium really did, even on the lithium, she was still self-injuring to an unbelievable mm-hmm. degree, but without it, I think she would have probably killed herself just mm. um, by hitting her heads, you know, concussing yourself. Um, but the lithium, I think, really did help take it down a notch, um, but it was still very intense. I, I don't think there was any kind of med change other than I think it was just having that staff around her all the time and Hmm. the care. Um, I don't know. Like she eventually just kind of calmed down and then um, calmed down some more um, to the point where they were able to move her from the Linden Center to the main campus. So she progressed enough where they could take her out of this um, super extreme area to a lesser restrictive restrictive setting. Um and since then, you know, she was on the campus for about a year. She progressed enough, calmed down enough so that they could move her into a group home, which is where she is now, an off campus group home. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge amount of progress for Ellie. Huge. Um and now these days she will self injure if she's really frust- really, you know, angry, frustrated. Um she will be aggressive if, you know, you try to dress her and she's not in the mood for it. She'll head butt. Um, but overall, she's a different kid than she was when we dropped off at the Linden Center, you know, years wow. and years ago. Um,
1: I wish every yes. family had access I do too. to this kind of comprehensive yep. approach. Mm-hmm. It really should be... Um, you know, just an entitlement. You know, if you're if you yes. have a kid with profound autism. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh hopefully it would save everybody, you know, money and healthcare costs in the long run, yes. right? To yes. to do it, you know, when they're when they're younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now she's basically in a residential home that's maybe less medical in yeah orientation mm-hmm. is uh is the plan to keep she's still young, you know, she's yeah nineteen um to keep her there for a certain amount of time and yes you know what's going to happen next
2: um the plan we have right now is for her to stay until she's 21 we hope Mm -hmm. and then for her to hopefully move up to our area it's a two-hour drive each way for us to see her which makes Mm -hmm. things really difficult um we want to get her back up here um to Bergen County where we live um and be able to see her in a a group home up here Mm -hmm. um daily. We would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do kick around the idea of possibly bringing her home with a support staff, but I do, I just don't know if that's feasible. It depends on how she does in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we would love that,
1: but I'm not sure that's realistic. Um,
2: so yeah, the that's right what I always said like,
1: about my son. I was like, Oh, you know, he'll yeah. live here forever with option, me, but yeah. then it became so dangerous. Yep that uh, we had absolutely yeah, once we got to the point where there was no choice, yes, we, we had to we had to move him out. Now, you know, might he move back someday? Maybe like if we built a separate kind of unit, That's, maybe yes. but um but for him and his sister to live together was an yeah. absolute shit show i'm sure <laughs> so I'm sure. that can't happen like yes. easily so yeah yes. i know what you mean i know like when you're like i don't want to move my son out but yeah then it, it was we were re- 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 out of life or death yes Just, absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Um, wow so what advice do you have for parents who maybe want to tell their stories you know like uh, i i I, I hope that this book gets a lot of traction, even beyond our little realm of severe autism parents. I hope that, you know, all those people on the outside, <laughs> all the tippies on the outside
0: <laughs> will uh,
1: um, yes, and, and, and I hope it, uh, you know, establishes you as a writer who might return to the subject again. Um, but I don't know, what, what advice do you have? I mean, even even I want to write a book What what do you say to autism parents? There are a lot of us out
2: in the community who are waiting for these stories. Um, Mm -hmm. Waiting for that validation, waiting to feel, not to feel guilty if you feel, if you're grieving some things about the experience, if you're feeling angry, um, if you reach the point where Things are so intense and you've been hit so many times that your survival instincts are kicking in and you're thinking of hitting back. Um, Those are all normal um, reactions given the circumstances Um, and they're okay. Um, I'm not saying it's okay to hit your child. I'm saying, um, you know, it can happen. You can reach that point where you're just not thinking rationally anymore because You've been at that code red mm-hmm. adrenaline state for so many years. You start to, you really start to lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've been there
1: many Well, you would never have been able to write this book if Ellie was still living with Oh, Ellie. no. So no. I think for a lot of autism parents who would oh. want to tell their story, they're like, I don't know, five minutes in the day.
2: They don't. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, that's very true. You um, need a lot of space to write it. And Ellie requires 24-7 monitoring, care, everything. Mm. Um, there's no time for anything else. Yeah. Um, but I would just encourage anyone to, to be honest, just, um, and that it's okay to be honest. Um, because the world needs to hear about it. You know, it's not, um, it's not a bad thing. It's the truth. It's, you know, we all love our children. Um, it's a very complicated situation it's not going to be cut and dry it's not all going to be sun sunshine and kittens you know it's very complex um and it's okay to experience the gamut of emotions that
1: comes with it that's what i would say and um, And definitely you know tell the truth
2: tell the truth tell, tell
1: the truth and that's what comes through so strongly you know in your your narrative right which is this is coming from from your heart, you know. Yes, you're not trying. You it, as, I, as I as I said, like it's not t- touched by ideology yeah. or philosophies mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. metaphysics. It's all yes. about what you experienced with your own eyes and body. Right. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any plans for promoting the book to make sure you know it gets out there in the world? Um, plans no
2: (laughs) do you have any plans (laughs) um just little tiny plans right now um possibly maybe meeting with some or interviewing with some reporters i'm running some amazon ads um maybe going to some bookstores that's the extent of my plan at the moment.
1: <laughs> There's a bookstore in Maplewood, New Jersey called yes. Words. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's already connected. That oh, yeah. yeah, that's yes. right. You connected yes, with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, with the great Jonah. Yeah, uh, that would be yes. a great place to do yeah. to do a reading. Um, yeah. Well, I certainly hope that you can, um, you know, uh, you know, take it on on the road and um, tell your story, uh, you know, to a world that needs to hear it and to a world that has become. I think increasingly numb to the realities of yeah. autism. And yeah. also I think increasingly fooled mm. about the realities of autism. Yeah. So you know, your, your, your book is, I think an important you know piece in, in this uh, this need to, to push reality onto the stage. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, any, any closing words for, for your future um, readers who are listening future readers? <laughs> To this. um it was a it was just, affordable and it's paperback yes <laughs> so uh 14.99 right. um, um, you don't yeah. have to spend like 40 dollars on a hardback <laughs> there is no hardback and version it's um, 288 pages i read it mm-hmm. in about six hours even with lots of annotation wow um so, very doable gotcha. book and, and, and it was hard to put down, I have to say. Oh, yeah. I'm the kind of person who's like, I start a book and I'll put it down for like five yeah, months. me too.
2: Yes, I'm the same. <laughs> the, but this one, the I same. it was like,
1: boom. Right yeah. Third.
2: Yeah. I just want people to know that I get it. Anyone who's reading it uh, in the same boat, I get it. I get it. And um, I get you. And I get the experience. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that I'm not like sitting like this to be like yeah. casual. Like, I'm pushing my earbud in Buy the your <laughs> <laughs> just look like a jerk. I'm like, oh. So um, yeah, um, just that I get it and you're not alone. You're not alone.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Peg. It was so, so, so nice to semi-meet you via <laughs> Zoom.
0: Well, that's it. I hope you guys love it. A little longer interview than we're used to doing, but uh, very interesting, and I hope you guys loved it. We are going forward. going to do a few more interviews. If you have people you'd like us to talk to, send them our way. I'd love to reach out to them, see if we can't squeeze them in. As always, we appreciate your support. and review, as always. We appreciate it. And, um, yeah, my social media is Kirk Smith Comedy. I'd love it if you had me on uh, the old YouTube and Facebook fan page. It really helped me out. And Grandma as well, Graham K Comedy. Guys, that's it. Have a great week. You can do it.